This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalms 1, 19-24 I am especially glad this morning as I take you with me on a journey of faith. Let me tell you a story. I was six years old. My mother and I walked a few blocks to the nearby church. It was my first day at Sunday school. The lesson that day was about Noah and his ark and all of the critters that were going with him on the ark. Some nice parishioners had made plywood cutouts of lots of animals, birds, every type of living thing. Our six-year-old project was to paint them before they went aboard. My project was a parrot, and I can assure you it was a very colorful parrot indeed. But something else was going on. I was looking around, and I thought, this is a good place. I like being in this church. I think I will come again, and I did. I have had a church home ever since. Don't underestimate the influence of Sunday school or of painting parrots. I grew up in Bellingham, Washington, a lovely small city with the San Juan Islands to the west and the Cascades to the east. It is the home of Western Washington University and Garden Street Methodist Church. Both of them are dear to my heart. At Garden Street, there was Sunday School, Epworth League, Junior Choir, Bible Study. I was married in Garden Street Methodist Church. My son was christened there. When my husband returned from the South Pacific after serving with the United States Army Air Force, he was employed by United Airlines. When he was transferred to LAX, we moved to Southern California. We found our home on Susanna and our church on Paseo del Mar, and have been there ever since. I guess we know a good thing when we see it. My son was eight years old and was in the cherub choir that we had at Neighborhood Church at that time. The children had choir robes, and they had a processional when they sang for us. It was charming and a good memory. Incidentally, my cherub recently had a birthday. He is now 69 years old. Along the way, I taught fourth grade in church school. At one time, we were thinking about the beauty of everyday miracles. To illustrate, the children each had a little clay pot, and we planted seeds to watch them grow and become flowers. 
On Sunday, I came a little early to water the plants and get ready for the lesson. As expected, when the children came racing into the classroom, they went straight to their clay pots. One little boy picked up his clay pot and he said, Oh, look, my plant is going wee-wee. And another little boy picked up his pot and he said, My pot is going wee-wee too. I guess I had overwatered. Now, that was not part of my lesson plan, but I trust that my fourth graders and I learned and remembered the words from Matthew when Jesus said, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. As historian of women's fellowship, it's a temptation to relate the accomplishments and contributions the women of this church had made through the years. But that's a whole story in itself. I will say that we have worked together, played together, prayed together, and have lifelong friendships. I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge that our menfolk have supported us whenever we needed it. They have washed dishes, directed traffic, done booty duty, and anything else. Thank you, gentlemen. Traveling has always been a real joy for me. After all, Rick worked for United. We could fly, so we did. When United became an international carrier, the world opened up. What I want to share with you is that I will often, when itineraries permit it, make a practice of visiting local churches on a Sunday morning. It's a nice break from visiting the must-see sites with other tourists and to get acquainted with the local people that we are visiting. We were always warmly greeted. There are a lot of brothers and sisters out there. Sometimes the sites are very large and others are very small. St. Peter's at the Vatican is very large. The Pope comes out on a little balcony and blesses the the multitude that are gathered. It was much more personal at St. Paul's Cathedral in London when a very distinguished gentleman was the usher. He had a red ribbon across his chest to indicate he was an usher and engaged us in conversation. So happy you could join us. And then there was the little painted church on the big island of Hawaii, where we practically danced when we sang hymns. The most unique visit was at the little village of Omer-Armagau in Germany. When the Black Plague was ravishing Europe in the year 1633, 
the people promised God that they would produce a passion play every ten years if their village could be spared more suffering. The villagers have kept their promise. I attended in the year 1990. The play begins in the morning with an intermission in midday and continues to late afternoon. It portrays the days of Holy Week, starting with Jesus entering Jerusalem and continues with the crucifixion and resurrection. It is truly an experience like no other. I am not a biblical scholar, but I have had the good fortune to have had devoted teachers that were. At first, there was Reverend Daniel Taylor at Garden Street. It was a class of young couples who met in each other's living rooms each week. Daniel generously supplied each class member with an outline of that lesson to use during discussion, and to use as reference in the future. This was no small thing. Church offices did not have printers. Two choices, the typewriter with carbon or a process called mimeographing. I don't remember how that was done, but I can show you the result. This is a mimeographed outline of the book of Matthew from my class of 1948. It's a little faded, but still readable. That class would have had a hard time believing that from July 2nd through July 31st in the year 2020, a class at Neighborhood Church would study the book of Matthew with some differences. Our pastors would have the ability to guide us, and we could share the discussion from our homes with Zoom. Some of us were at our desks, some in the kitchen, one was on the beach, and one was in the state of Georgia. One thing was the same, the book of Matthew. Let me speak of another Bible class at Neighborhood Church. For about 20 years, our own Michael Moorhead led a class every Tuesday evening, 7.30 in the parlor. We sometimes used Kerygma as our basic text, and Kerygma and Michael led us to not just read, but to also search, discover, and reflect. Some of you were in that class. Our not five by five by five Bible study using Zoom was a blessing during the pandemic. Five minutes a day, five days a week, five ways to dig deeper. In that year, we read the entire New Testament. By reading it entirely, we were able to find passages and entire books that we might have missed previously. I was especially intrigued by seven books 
that are sometimes called the universal epistles because they generally are not addressed to an individual or a group of people. They are for everyone. Five of the books were written by the apostles of Jesus, Peter and John. Two of them were attributed to brothers of Jesus, James and Jude. You can't get better credentials than that. I especially was glad to get acquainted with James. His words seemed to echo with the voice of Jesus. The book is almost a manual for Christian living, and he spoke with such loving kindness. Time after time, he addresses his readers with the words, My dear brothers and sisters. We've been doing a lot of virtual traveling this year. Please join me in traveling back to the Old Testament, where we will find words that will sustain us in our lives and on our continuing journey of faith. In Deuteronomy, we find the great commandment, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and all your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then, in the New Testament, Jesus added these words. A second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So be it. Amen.